Ladies and gentlemen, hear them pour. It's the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WYLK. Yeah, baby. Starting the day off a little bit right here with a little bit of electric relaxation from Tropical Quest. A little skeleton crew action, too. Uh, no, no Derek today. You have the backups <laughs> with me. You, you know it's bad when I have to come on. No, 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 yeah. Welcome to the Beer Geeks Radio Hour. My name's Matt, <clears throat> filling in for the incomparable Derek. Uh, he is off today um, spending time with the family, which does not suck. And we have in studio, Georgie Boy. What's going on, George? Not too much, man. And we have Joe from uh, from all over the place, but uh, I do a lot of stuff yeah. with him. Uh, NEPA Beer Reviews. What's going on, man? Not too much. How are you? Good. Uh, yeah, so we're going to have a nice uh, Sunday, holiday Sunday. Um, drinking some beers, talking some beers. So, yeah. How was your guys' week? That sounded week? vaguely like a U2 song. Sunday, holiday Sunday. Yeah, something <laughs> like that. I'm probably going to hit with royalties now. Anyway. <laughs> how was your guys' week? Anything good and interesting in the beer world? Uh, tons of traveling. That's about it. Where'd you go? Let's talk about that first, John. All right. Uh, we George. went to uh, Canton, Massachusetts for Trillium. Uh, we went to Treehouse. We waited in line there. Always worth it, though. Uh, they did a double shot release uh, in bottles, and they did Alter Ego. Nice. So it was good. And then yesterday, we went to Rushing Duck, which is always a fantastic time. It's about an hour away. Definitely worth checking out. Yeah, that was a whole trip that we all made together. Yeah, that was my first time up there. Um I thought it was pretty cool. The other day, I was, I think last Tuesday, uh, I wanted to do some kind of beer thing, uh, just to like, get out of the house for a little bit. And uh, I look online, I'm like, nowhere is open. It's like a Tuesday is like beer <laughs> wasteland for any brewery that you want to go to, uh, barring like maybe Trogues or Victory. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, no, it was a nice day yesterday. We'll get into that because it'll probably um, be a little bit different show. Typically on a show we have um, breweries come on, but with it being Easter Sunday, it's a little bit harder to kind of ring a uh, brewery in or a brewery because they're going to have to do family things. So we're going to talk a little bit more generalized beer stuff, mostly like kind of marketing because uh, we have some beers today that are named a bit punny for the holiday weekend. So we'll get to that in a minute, but let's get to a little bit of beer news because that's what you people out there like to hear, I guess. Anyway, uh, first up, we have Deschutes. They're opening on the East Coast, and they finally settled on Roanoke, Virginia hmm. for their uh, to put their plant. Nice. Yeah. I mean, they, they kind of, uh, when it comes to the East Coast, typically you're either looking at Virginia or North Carolina at this point. Well, I feel like mostly <clears throat> North Carolina. Like, it's weird for someone to not be in the North Carolina, like, in the Carolinas, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it, they... Um, I think they get a lot of tax breaks from the government in order to settle in the places they do. So I'm sure, you know, at this point, you know, North Carolina being saturated with breweries and starting to explode with, like, almost like tourism. People are going there and checking out the breweries, mm -hmm. doing things like that, that now, like, you know, Virginia's probably like, okay, we got to step our game up. But and I know you've been down there quite a bit, right? Uh, Virginia? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was down uh, Richmond for uh, Hardywood uh, a couple months ago for their release, uh, the Gingerbread Stout. Is that, where are they located? Right in Richmond. Right in Richmond. So, yeah. So, that's cool. Nice to see the shoots on the East Coast. Mm -hmm. They've been poorly represented, I think, on the East Coast as far as distribution-wise, especially up in this area. Yeah. I think, didn't we get them and then didn't get them and then got them again and then didn't get them again? That's kind of what happened. <laughs> they're, they're, they released and then they kind of pulled back because I guess the release didn't go as well as planned. It wasn't organized the way it should have been. So, now they're going to do a whole new kind of re-release thing, which is nice. Um, let's see what else. Stone Brewing is going to be... <clears throat> going to be uh, launching in Arkansas, which is kind of bizarre because I, 
figured Stone would be Everywhere. nationwide at this yeah. point. But yeah, they're going to be launching in Arkansas at the uh, end of this month. So that's cool. And uh, locally, Yingling is bringing the heat. Kind of falling somewhere in between um, Budweiser and Craft Beer and that they're doing a huge campaign in which they're calling it Respect It's Earned Campaign. I don't know if that's more of a respect us because we're more crafty because they've... Does it actually say like what the Respect It's Earned campaign entails? No. Just that oh. they've been around a long time and they work really hard at it. It was kind of the gist of it. But uh, mm, Fair enough. <laughs> Yingling is kind of like one of the... They're only distributed in like 18 states, which mm-hmm. I thought was kind of odd because there's a lot of small crap breweries that are distributed in, in a larger footprint. But uh, yeah, with that, I don't know if they're going to be kind of attacking the big beer business or the small one with that kind of Respect Beer thing. I don't know. You know, it's like almost like brew it the right way, brew it hard, wet, yeah. the hard way kind of thing. Budweiser does. You don't know if they're going to go either way with that. Well, so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But, yeah. Um, and uh, this kind of segues into the whole, like, new beer section of things. Bell's is adding the first um, core lineup beer to their brand since uh, 2010. And it's an oat beer called, wait for it, Oatsmobile. <laughs> So, yeah. That's I mean, it's still funny the second time I hear it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, you know I, I get it. You know what I mean? And that's going to be kind of the thing we're going to be talking about today when it comes to, like, beer and labeling and marketing and the whole thing. You know, names and branding goes a long way. But uh, Oatsmobile, you know, if the beer is good, who cares? But yeah. that's kind of a little bit too on the nose when it comes to things like that. <laughs> I would pick up a bottle. Oh, I'm totally going to buy a yeah. bottle of it or get it somehow because, I mean, it's Oatsmobile. Do you know what I mean? I mean, come on now. You can't not want to drink that beer. <laughs> yeah, and it's, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at it on the website right now. It's 4.3% uh, pale ale. 4.3% pale ale? Just oat heavy, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, so, I mean, with Bell's, it's kind of uh, interesting. They haven't added anything to their core lineup since that. I mean, six years is a really long mm-hmm. time to add a year-round. When I'm talking about core lineup, I'm talking about year-round beer. Yeah. Um, to go with a lower ABV pale ale kind of makes sense. Do you know what I mean? It's like, really, the the main things you think of when you hear Bell's, it's Oberon and Two-Hearted. Yeah. You know, and other than that... Yeah, I, I don't know what else is in their core lineup. Yeah, you know? pretty much. But um, well, it'll be interesting to see how that one works out, and I'll definitely pick it up. Um, other beers that just released. Let's go over that. Um, Flying Dog is trying something that I wish somebody can pull off because I like this. I know Joe's not a big fan of it, but uh, they're trying to pull off a mint julep beer. Um, I know the Brew Dogs tried to do it on one of their episodes a few years ago. Yeah, it was like the um, Kentucky the, uh, the Kentucky episode. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and then um, and I know. Um, Boulevard tried to pull it off, too, with a triple, a Belgian-style triple, I believe. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, uh, you know, mint julep is basically a minty, sweet bourbon drink. Um, and I kind of, I dig that. I'm not a huge bourbon guy, but I do like mint julep. So if they could somehow translate that into beer form, the problem I think they do is they try to fake the bourbon flavor. I think you need to make a more minty kind of beer and barrel age it and try to kind of play it off that way. I but mean, that, that would be the way that, if I were to do something like that, yeah. That would be the the way I would do it. Just add mint to the beer itself and then barrel age it. Yeah. Yeah. But that seems like the easiest thing. Easy, but at the same time, keeping that mint and not having it fall out and stuff like that True. over time would probably be one well, of the hardest things to do. You, you could probably then add mint to the barrel yeah, itself. True. You know, like yeah. as a almost like a dry hop or something. That's one of the new releases coming out. Hopefully we see that soon. Um, Treehouse release double shot. Or uh, tree, yeah, double shot. Uh, what is it? A coffee imperial supporter or stout? Was it? 
You know, honestly, I did, we we were going to open it yesterday, <laughs> and I didn't even. I saw they were releasing it. We were going up there prior, and they're like, "Yeah, we have it in stock." I'm like, "All right, cool. I'll take some." Like, didn't even know what it was. Well, there I, you go, George. That's George and the T. Give it to me. It's new. Right. But uh, yeah, yesterday George went up to Treehouse and picked it up. It's uh, their um, double shot. None of my links are open on here. That's why I can't read anything. Anyway, um, yeah, it's their Imperial Stout, I believe, or Imperial Porter with coffee. They've done rotations of it with different kind of coffees over the years, but this is like the second time I believe they've ever released it in bottles. And if anybody knows Treehouse, they really don't release anything in bottles at all. Um, I think the only there's one other beer. Uh, Lucid, I think it was, was one of the only other beers that they released in a bottle, so that was kind of interesting. And another beer you picked up yesterday, which is another release, is uh, Dialed In from uh, Trillium. Trillium. Yeah. So you went up there and picked that up. How how'd that uh, how'd that work out for you? It actually wasn't bad. The roads were the traveling was fine. We were on we left on uh, Good Friday. We left at about eight thirty in the morning. Got there for around one ish. Uh, no line. There was maybe maybe ten fifteen people there. It was awesome. Usually when you go to Trillium, you're expecting to wait a little bit, but we went to their new location, so you can actually sample some of the beer as well. Nice. Yeah, we drank a little bit of that uh, double shot last night, and then uh, did not suck. It was, um, it was a uh, double IPA with um, wine Sauvignon must. Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc, kind of. The way they put it, wasn't. it was blended in. It wasn't actually aged in a barrel or anything like right. that, So, but it came off pretty well. It's fantastic. So, yeah, let's get into some beer. Um, like I said, we're going to be doing little punny names today on our beers because it is a holiday weekend. So um, yesterday when we were on the road, uh, we picked up this first beer we just opened, which I haven't tried yet. It is uh, from Pipeworks Brewings out of Chicago. It is their Easter Bunny versus Unicorn. So apropos for today, a little <laughs> Easter Bunny action. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? It's not bad. Um, it's a little... Like, what's, what's the ABV? Like, around 10? It's 10% wheat wine. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of slightly hot, but I feel it's almost like a like a hoppiness mixed with, like, alcohol heat. You know, I'm like, I don't, I don't know exactly which way it's gonna it's going. Yeah, they, they call it a wheat wine. I would just call it somewhere between an imperial and a triple IPA kind of mm-hmm. vibe I'm getting from, more than, like, an actual wheat wine vibe, because yeah. it is pretty hop forward. But it's fun, and their beers are always kind of kooky as far as labeling goes and design and all that kind of fun stuff so what do you think just the whole verse unicorn series is awesome like santa verse unicorn's great uh was it there's ninja verse unicorn i think that's their ipa um i love it and it's it's awesome that i can get pipe works like an hour from here so yeah yeah not too shabby so like i said Today we're going to be talking about pretty much about marketing with beer and like how beer is sold to people as opposed to actually talking to a brewery, kind of get that perspective going on. And this kind of like kicks it off right. Like how many people do you think buy this beer based off of the label itself being as kooky as it is? I'd say a decent amount. Yeah, I would say that as well. And it seems to be an apropos, or not an apropos thing, a, a trend with, with Pipeworks. They kind of just go over the top of their labeling, labeling and they, make it a little they, bit. Even the cans are... As over the top as the bottles. You know, I picked up a can yesterday, and it was like Close Encounter or something. And it's like almost like a fully like screen printed uh, can. Yeah, yeah. That was the uh, Hop Stout, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's good. And how far do you think marketing goes like that with with labeling? Do you think there's how many beers do you pass up that are labeled crappily? Or how many beers you're like, okay, I have to pick this up just because of the way the label looks. I, I know that's kind of like a more a sophomoric way to go about it, but I know a lot of people do do that, and there's a rhyme and reason to labeling and stuff like that. I feel like for me, it's it's more the brewery itself. 
like I've heard of Pipeworks. I want to try something from them, and this is what I can see. You know, I think they only had maybe one beer at the the bottle shop that we were at yesterday. So I'm like, I don't really care what it is. I kind of want to try it and just give it a try. Now, if it were something, if it were style I didn't particularly like, you know, like a like a Belgian triple or something like that, I probably would have passed it up. But I use, like I said, I usually kind of go more with uh, more with the brewery itself as opposed to uh, to the label. Oh, you like that too? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it for me, it's more what's inside. But sometimes the labeling is really cool. Like if it's in unison, like Trillium, for example, it's very like it's it's got the name ABV. That's it, and it has little their little logo or whatever. But well, they're one of the more stylish labels actually out there in the, in, in the beer world, though. I mean, I'm, they're some of my favorite. But when you see it, you know who it is as, as a brewery. Yeah, and I think that kind of mm-hmm. is what I'm touching. Is and I there's mean, a lot of branding. Pipe, pipe works just because we're we're drinking it. They definitely stand out. You yeah. could see them. I don't have to go up and like squint and look around like who, what beer is this? I could see like oh, this is a really brightly colored like cartoony kind of label. That's a Pipeworks beer. Yeah. I mean, the old, you know, the old saying goes, don't judge by a, a book by its cover. But, I mean, I know when I'm in a bottle shop and I'm going through and there's so, a lot of times there's overload, especially mm-hmm. a couple we went to yesterday. There's so much beer to look through. It's kind of hard. You just, yeah. your, your brain's going. So, in that sense, I think a label does matter because it'll catch my, then maybe I'll like look at it, do a little bit of research, yada, 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 and kind of figure stuff out from there. And that's mm-hmm. what I'm kind of hinting at is that I think it does matter in that aspect because we all, I mean, I know I'm not, I try to be, but we don't know everything about every beer. You yeah. know what I mean? So you go into a bottle shop and you have all these different styles and labels and all that stuff. There has to be a reason why you go to something new. Mm-hmm. Sure, if you hear something from people on, on the internet or your friends or whatnot, there's going to be an inherent nature to look for that beer. But when you're just trying to find stuff new, yeah. you know what I mean? A well-done label in in, in a uh, interesting way. And it could be interesting in a, in, in a crazy cartoony way like Pipeworks, or it could be cl- you know more like um, old-school Belgian-style crappy labeling, or it could be new-school, <laughs> very nondescript, like one of the more, to me, one of the more standout labels out there are a lot of main beer labels because it's just white with maybe a couple words on it, yeah. and then you're done. So it's not so much that you're trying to blow away people with style and design. It's just, okay, that stands out. Mm-hmm. Another big one is um, Bourbon County when they came out the line this year with the whole no label and the tag on that neck. That, that even though people were searching for that beer, mm-hmm. if you weren't searching for that beer and it was some new beer and you saw that, I'd be like, what is this? Do you yeah, know what I mean? You, you would be curious about yeah, it. Yeah, so it, from that aspect, from marketing aspect, I think a lot of it, Matters when it comes down to how you break it down design wise, and um, and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It makes sense. And I wonder how many people put that much effort into it because you can see when smaller breweries, local breweries, kind of start off. They're just kind of like not to the labels an afterthought, but there's more of a um, more of a um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is a little bit amateur ish hour when it comes to labeling. And sometimes it's endearing. Yeah. Um, but sometimes it's a little bit uh. Uh oh, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, Where are yeah. you going with that one? Yeah. So there you go. That's going to be your show for today. We're not done yet, obviously. We're going to go to break right now. And uh, when we come back, we'll be going to be talking more labeling and whatnot. So join us in a little bit for some more Beer Geeks. Cheers. Caring for a loved one is a personal decision. 
Hello, I'm Renee Zulo Hammond. Mike Kelly and I created Personal Home Health Care to better care for those recovering from an illness or surgery. We know that people are most comfortable in their homes, and that is what Personal Home Health Care provides, giving patients the ability to receive care in the comfort of their own home. It's the personal detail that sets us apart. Here at Personal Home Health Care, our goal is to ensure that you can remain independent for as long as possible. We provide everything you need on a personal basis. Here at Personal Home Health Care, we make sure all of your needs are met. Everything we do is with the patient's best interest in mind. We personalize the care you need to enjoy a better quality of life at home. For more information, visit personalhhc.com. Personal Home Health Care and Hospice. Personal Home Health Care. It's the personal detail that sets us apart. Sherman Structures. Sherman Shed Structures and such. Sherman Shed Structures. Wait, I, I can't say it. It's easy. Sherman Shed Structures and such. Sherman Shed Structures. Uh, repeat after me. Sherman's. Sherman's. Sheds. Sheds. Structures. Structures. And such. And such. Sherman Shed Structures and stuff. Come on. Sherman Structures. Sherman Shed Structures and such. Sherman Shed Structures and stuff. Darn it. Sherman Shed Structures and such. They do playhouses, tiki bars cabins, pole barns, garages, dog kennels, backyard shed bars, and a ton more. If you want a structure for your yard, they're the ones to call. And with guaranteed lowest prices, why would you trust anyone else? Sherman's Sheds Structures and Such. Open seven days a week. I can say that. Sherman's Sheds Structures and Sherman's Sheds Structures and Such. So much more than sheds. It's at the Twin Stacks in Dallas, right? At least it's not by the seashore. for business. In business, time is money. In business, money is also money. No wonder nearly a thousand businesses choose Comcast Business Internet over DSL from the phone company every single day. Not only is it up to five times faster, it's actually a better value when you go with the fastest plan. So take a minute out of your busy schedule and call Comcast Business. It will be well worth your time and your money. Switch to Comcast Business Internet. Then add voice and TV for just $34.90 a month. And ask about our two-year price guarantee. Call 800-501-6000 or visit ComcastBusiness.com. Comcast Business. Built for business. All friends 531.16. Restrictions apply. Limited one voice line and private view TV for new customers. Two-year contract required. Requires Comcast Business Internet and an additional monthly charge. Equipment taxes and fees including broadcast TV fee extra. Savings claim based on cost per megabits per second. Compares Comcast 100 megabits per second, 20 megabits per second DSL downloads. At Bricks and Stones in Oliphant and Fort, you'll find an impressive selection of bricks, natural stone, manufactured stone, Belgian block, limestone treads, veneer stone, as well as pavers, materials for retaining walls, and outdoor living products. Products like fire pits, fireplaces, as well as all your masonry supplies. So, whether you're a builder, mason, landscaper, or homeowner, visit the 44 or Oliphant locations and talk to the knowledgeable staff at Bricks and Stones about your project. Bricks and Stones, the largest distributor of bricks and stone in the region. Visit bricksandstones.com. Uh, holiday vibes to WILK and the Beer Geeks back with a little bit more uh, beer goodness. Yeah, that's a lead. Feeling right it now, there. yeah. From from Tribe Call Quest to uh, to that Mavis Staples. 
from the Staple Singers. Never, I, I never knew that. Being piped in my ear, the uh, deets as I speak. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's a uh, it's symmetry at its best. That's all I know. It really is. So yeah, we're back. We're gonna crack into another beer. We just got, like I said, from. Easter Bunny versus Unicorn from Pipeworks, which was quite nice. A wheat wine, um, 10%, um, a little bit more bunny than unicorn. And But we're going to be popping into a little, uh, ooh, that one went off. Ooh, nice. There it is. A little Lost Abbey, which is actually a big brewery that actually leans a lot, really heavily on a lot of religious mm-hmm. notes with a lot of their beers. They have beers, Ten Commandments. They have, you know. Judgment a, Day. Judgment Day, a bunch yeah. of stuff like that. The one we're coming here is Agave Maria. Yeah. A little Agave Maria action. Um, have you had this before, Joe? Yes, I have. And Considering I have. this bottle came from me. <laughs> came from Joe. Yes. <laughs> well, I don't know. Just because you have it doesn't mean you've had it before. Because it'll be your first time. You just never you own it but never open it. But I drank it with you before, so I'm just yeah, gonna be. You, you were at it's my called, house when we did. It's it. called radio. It's it's, it's painting a <laughs> it's, word picture. It's called conversation. Much. <laughs> and uh yeah, this is um what's the deets on this one? I forget. It's like thirteen and change. Yeah, this is uh, a strong ale made with uh, agave nectar mm-hmm. and then I think aged in tequila barrels. Yeah, and this is actually if I if I remember correctly, this is you're a big fan of this one, yeah. Yeah, I bought. I think when this came out, I got three bottles of it, and I think this is at least two years old. I don't know. Most of my beers, I think, when they just get into the cellar, they like age automatically two years. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> this is just about two years old. But this kind of um, leads into my next kind of marketing thing bottling yeah. and uh, it's kind of an issue that I've had <laughs> quite a while for beer when I was getting into beer back in around the turn of the millennium almost everything was in um, besides Belgian beers besides imports almost everything was in six packs or single bottles um, and if they're in single bottles they're either most likely a bomber or 750 or a regular 12-ounce bottle as, as a single offering. Once we started to get more in the 2010 kind of region, you started to see a lot of these tweener bottles. You started to see companies come out and put beers into like 375 size bottles, but keep the same price point. Yeah. And that's like the same thing with what um, uh, AB and Bev with uh, Goose Island did this year with um, a Bourbon County line. They said, okay, you know, we're going to make more of it. Here you go. Here's a bunch of 375 or whatever size bottles. Have at it. And you're like, okay, awesome. But then you're like, wait a minute, 12 bucks for 375 I was paying 20 for four 12-ounce bottles earlier. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? That is the kind of marketing thing, too, that I think a lot of people kind of miss. They'll look at this and be like, it feels like a big, hefty bottle full of a ton of beer. But it's not. But it's really not. It's, yeah, it's 12. 12.7 ounces worth of yeah. beer. You know what I mean? So that's the other kind of thing that's kind of like taken off a lot of times. Now you see a lot of companies like um, Almanac and um, a lot of uh, like breweries when they do their one-off stuff, they put in these small, tiny bottles. To kind of, they're all I don't like, want to say they're, they're being... They're all like funky uh, amounts, too. It's like 12.7, 11.2. I think that's mostly like Belgian stuff, though. Like the 11.2 are like the Rocheforts yeah. and, and stuff like that, you know. But it's like a, it's a weird shape. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's it, but it, it, to me, it's more like these have always irritated me because they're more like they're so thick. They're like trying yeah. to sit, not that they're trying to overtly trick you into thinking you're buying more. Well, beer. it's like the same kind of heft as the uh, as the bomber corking cage. You know? Yeah, like this feels like the same. Like it, it feels exactly like the bigger version. You know, but it's not. It's. The, it's half the size. Wow, this is um, 
This has actually aged pretty, um, pretty interestingly. That agave is just crazy big in this now. Oh wow! It's almost borderline. Uh, it's not souring, but it's getting a lot of sour kind of qualities to it. Yeah. And it's interesting. I've always been interested to see how this would age because I had it fresh. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. now it's like turning into something totally different. Like that agave is getting really huge on it. The actual like ale, the old, it's an old ale, correct? Old ale, strong old ale, ale style. It, that's like kind that. of gone by the wayside. Yeah. The keel is still there. It kind of gets the, it has the same smell though that you would get with these like older barrel aged beers. Mm-hmm. And I think actually the two year mark is probably right on for this. I don't think this is going to go anywhere. No. I don't think it's going to get any better. Yeah. Ton of oak. Nice dryness. I've always been a big fan of Lost Abbey's, like, barely stuff, but again, that size. These usually, MSRP around my area, around our area, about 18 to $20 a bottle for 12 ounces, and that's the only, yeah. the kind of poo-poo part of the whole deal when it comes to that. What do you think about it, George? I'm curious to see what you think. <laughs> I'm loving it. It's got that little tart funkiness to it, but it's it's going down smooth. It's awesome. Uh, price point wise, yeah, that that does uh, sting a little bit, but I, I can see myself picking a bottle of it. Yeah, no, I mean some of the some of these offerings that they do in these smaller sizes are really amazing. Like the track series, the eight and a ten particularly are pretty damn awesome. But uh, but yeah, so um, let's get back into a little bit more marketing stuff. Um, when you got into beer, what did you look at? Were you basically researching it, or is it more just like grabbing beer? You didn't know what it was and trying everything. Um, when I first got into beer, I was like super into Flying Dog for one reason or another. Was it because of the labeling? I, mean, I think so. I think it was like a, it was kind of like an off-the-wall sort of labeling, and then like I kind of went out from there, and then kind of after that, I think I think Flying Dog was my first, like, oh, these labels are pretty cool. I want to I wanna grab these. After that, I'm like, I'm looking up more uh, more breweries. I'm doing I'm doing reviews myself, you know, so I'm like, I'm looking on YouTube at different beers. I'm like, I want to find, you know, X beer instead of like, I'm just looking around and I'm like, oh, this label looks pretty neat. You know, I'm like, I'm actually like hunting for, for specific beers, you know? Yeah, but I mean, it makes sense to be um, if that's one of the first breweries that you kind of gravitate to, mm-hmm. Flying Dog, because they're like actual like I forget the name of the actual artist who does their artwork, um, but it's one of them. It's an actual like legit more popular artist. You know what I mean? So that in itself, for them to actually go out there and, and hire an artist to actually design their label work, and for someone you know when you're first getting into beer, that's what you're attracted to. Do, yeah, it just kind of makes sense. It does. You know what I mean? And what about you, George? Was that the uh, first one? I- well, how did you get into beer? Was it more just like you s- were introduced by other people, or were you more like just looking at beers and then purchasing based off of look, or were you actually sitting there researching the styles and stuff like that when you first got into beer? I didn't really research a lot. Like before, like getting into craft, I was just Jenny and PBR. Yeah. Uh, I think one of the first things that caught me was a label. It was a uh, Rogue Hazelnut Porter. Yeah. Where it's just got the bald guy on the front with the glasses and just holding the beer, and I was like. Might be interesting. I, I picked it up at uh, Wegmans when I was up there. And I started going back and like, oh, they have more stuff. And I, I was really into Rogue at first and then kind of like branched out a little bit. And here I am today. <laughs> nice. But yeah, when I originally got into beer, it was more like Belgian stuff. And that's like when I talk about, like when I do reviews and stuff like that, I talk a lot about label artwork, hence the reason why we're talking about it today. And um, it's like Belgian labels have always done it for me. Like something about the way Belgian labels are drawn. I just kind of feel like they're not like 
they're not hiring some kind of like secondary marketing company. I feel like they're just going to be like, hey, Brother Joseph, you kind of know how to draw draw <laughs> us a label. You're the and, best with uh, with crayons. <laughs> yeah. So go 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 uh, go monk us up a, a label real quick. And uh, and for something some reason about that just kind of always kind of tickled me pink. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like and it's and it's almost like funny because there's like the atypical old school Belgian style labels are really ghetto or there's no labels at all. It's just mm-hmm. plain letters on a bottle or no bot no label at all, kinda like West Vlins and stuff like that. And I love that. But the labels that actually have drawings on it tend to be super ghetto. Mm-hmm. And uh you actually see that I think it's kinda like, you know, everything's cyclical. You see that nowadays with a lot of like new school breweries. Like they're actually drawing like their their can art on like MS Paint. While that, they're that in Swiss that beer one, that I just you, reviewed, uh, like Bad Attitude, that's kind of the same way. Like the, yeah. it's a smaller bottle, and the label doesn't even go around most of the curve of the bottle. It's like the skinniest label on the front, and then empty space, and then a skinny label on the back. Yeah, <laughs> and it's it's just so it, it's like they're trying. Excuse me, they're trying to be ghetto. Mm-hmm. It's like, and like I said, it's like it's like they're drawing an MS Paint in like the back of a pickup truck on a bumpy dirt road. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. it's like from from grim to hoof hearted to like breweries like that. They like they're going out of their way to be like, okay, how can we draw this really bad? While that's kind of endearing, at the same time to me, it's a little disingenuous. Do you know what I mean? I don't like a lot of the really great labels that are ghetto are like it, not meant to be ghetto. They're I feel just like it almost seems best. forced. Yes, you know, yes. It's yeah. the person that takes four hours to get ready in the morning versus the person that takes 10 minutes to get yeah. ready in and the morning. And both look the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, both yeah. look the same. Yeah, it's kind of like that thing where it's like it's trying a little bit too hard, but at the same time, those that that overt ghetto-ness kind of still attracts me. Mm-hmm. So there's something about it. I'm like, okay, this this is too horrible of label for me not to try this beer. Do you know what I mean? So I now have to drink this because the label, a perfect example when we went to a bottle shop yesterday and this is another marketing thing and it's so dumb but it it worked on me I picked up a wax top flip top Grolsch top beer (laughs) (laughs) who waxes the top of a Grolsch style top insane people that's what I'm saying. So, here, <laughs> there, there, you know what I mean? And there's actually probably more rhyme or reason to wax topping a, 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 that kind of thing. Cause, there probably is. Because the seal on a Grolsch top tends to dry rot, so maybe that'll keep that from doing whatever. But I just saw it. I'm like, this is too absurd not for, for me not to pick up. Mm-hmm. So I now have to pick this beer up because it <laughs> this, is that This odd. needs to come home. Yeah. So, I mean, from that aspect alone. I think it it, uh, it it just makes sense to, like, have things that stand out. You know what I mean? But then there comes the, the correlation of, is is good labeling attached to good beer? And what are your thoughts on that, if you have any? Ooh, that's, that's really interesting. I mean, you could, I don't know, it could kind of go, it could go both ways, really. You could have a really good beer with a really bad label or a really good label with a really bad beer, <laughs> you know? It's, it's a weird thing. I'm actually, and this is totally just me just being my weird self, I absolutely think there's a direct correlation between a good label and a good beer. There's very, I'll pick up a beer with a horrible label. Mm. Nine times out of ten, the beer is pretty crappy. And, and it's subjective. It's art. So taking saying something's crappy is, you know what I mean? It is what it is. 
But and the same thing if a label is done really, really, really well, chances are the beer is good. And, and I have a theory about this: is, is that I believe that most producers of goodness, whether it be music or chefs or brewers, they really are very maternal about their product, mm-hmm. and I think they give a poop about the product from brewing it to delivering it to the customer. Yeah. And I don't think any brewer that really gives that much of just says, I don't care. Just throw any label on. I don't care. Just throw it out there. You know what I mean? Like they, they want to kind of micromanage and handle the product from beginning to end. Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> so when you have a, a beer that has like a, and, and it's hard to d- describe when, you know, like I said, it's artistic, but it's hard to describe and say, okay, this is good and this is bad. When it comes down to the nuance, uh, the quality, you can tell how the label was made, who made it, the style, the whole nine. When you have a bad label, you're like, okay, how would someone who gave that much of a hoot of their of their beer just at, at the 10-yard at the line, at the 10-yard yeah. line, go, okay, just toss it in some kind of glass and just throw a, throw a cap on it and I'm done Call with it. Call it a day. You know, yeah, I just don't think that exists, especially from great, breweries that's what that's why i think when you see a a a mediocre label it's mediocre taste and a mediocre skill level and that again this is me just you know waxing on my own craziness my own conspiracy theories but nine times out of ten i think it rings true that's pretty fair yeah definitely that's why they don't call them the two best color guys in radio. Anyway, <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to some more beer tasticness. Um, let's open. Actually, we'll wait for the second break for the second. One. We'll finish up what we have here and talk a little bit more uh, marketing. Now, you're a brewer, Joe. Yes. Trying to get into the industry. Went to brewery school. I am. Yeah. Um, just uh, graduated. When? Uh, technically graduated in December. And honestly, it's like you're reading. Uh, my parents' minds right now because uh, they've been texting me like, introduce yourself, tell, tell you who, say who you are. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to get that. Let's do that a little bit. We'll do a little profile right now. Joe, like I said, he does a lot of beer review stuff, but he's also, he's been a home brewer for, for many years. And yes. he went to brewery school at Niagara School. Niagara um, College. Niagara College for brewing up in, in, in backwards land, as yes. we call it, which as, is Canada. As we call it. Sorry, all of Canada. Yeah. and uh, All and, two of you that are listening. And then do you see that, and let's just go even a step further. You're trying to get a job in the industry. Just started really kind of just putting your foot to the ground, trying to get jobs going yeah. outside of the area. Um, do you see, like, there's, you feel like there's a marketing standpoint from yourself trying to sell yourself to the brewery? Absolutely. I feel like the one thing that I've actually consistently forgot to bring with me are samples of, of my beer. I'm like, I walk out the door. I'm like, all right, I got my business cards. I got my resume. You know, look kind of nice. And then I get halfway there. I'm like, I have no beer. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> this would have probably helped, you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's that's probably one of the one of the biggest things, just being, you know, this is, this is something where you, you are actually making a product. You know, it, this isn't, you know, this isn't like being an accountant or, yeah. uh, or like a lawyer or something. You know, you, you actually make something. So you kind of almost have to prove that you can make it. 
you know, and like I said, this is just something that has literally slipped my mind every single time. I'm like, I'm almost, it's almost like I'm walking out the door without the, without like my briefcase. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. No, no. It's like showing up if you're a chef and then you show up and like, they're like cook and be like, oh, I didn't bring my knives or anything. Like, like yeah. Just, I'm just not. You know, or like you, you work in like, uh, well, you used to work in like the like tattoo and piercing industry it's yep. like it's like if, if you'd showed up without a portfolio yeah with like nothing yeah and just be like I, I know this stuff just take it my word for it mm. that I'm, I'm, I'm good at this <laughs> yeah I'm, a, I'm usually in the car <laughs> I'm like uh, I can't believe I I can't believe I forgot that <laughs> you know well, stop forgetting. I know. That's the rule. Yeah. So, yeah, on that note, uh, let's take another break real quick, and then we'll uh, come back with a couple more beers, talk a little bit more uh, holiday stuff, and uh, talk just generalized beer goodness on the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK. You're at the end of the line. Now, what you should be asking is, do you feel lucky, punk? Well, actually, I do. Wait, that wasn't what I expected you to say. You see, I just won $777 from GitmaParks.com. I just entered to win a pot of gold. Enter through March 27th, and you could win enough money to make your friends green with envy. Get it? I'm going to let that terrible pun slide. If you just tell me that website one more time. GetMyParks.com, and everyone who enters will get a special code to save a little green. With a little extra cash, I could stop quoting 40-year-old movies. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. This is a national contest. No purchase or payment of any kind is necessary to enter or win. Contest if you're considering going back to school, ask yourself the following questions. Do you need the flexibility to take classes on your schedule? Do you have college credits you need transferred? Do you want to earn a quality degree from a world-renowned university? If you answered yes to any of these questions, Arizona State University is the perfect school for you. Arizona State University offers over 100 highly ranked degree programs 100% online. You'll earn the same degree as you would on campus, from wherever you are, on your schedule. Plus, ASU Online accepts most transfer credits. For information, call 1-800-705-2776. Learn for yourself why the Wall Street Journal ranks ASU fifth in the nation for producing the best qualified graduates and why 90% of ASU grads are recruited within 90 days of graduation. Learn to grow, learn to succeed, and learn to thrive at Arizona State University. To learn more about ASU online degrees, call 1-800-705-2776. That's 1-800-705-2776. Does your home need a makeover? Click on the $100,000 home makeover banner at wilknewsradio.com right now to enter. Make your wish list by placing the 10 home improvement projects in the order you want. If you match the correct order, you win. See official rules at wilknewsradio.com slash rules. Brought to you by Road Door Sales and Company. Servicing NEPA since 1960. 45 years in business means thousands of repeat customers. Mariotti Building Products in Old Forge. Kitchens without compromise. Visit their showroom today. Don't miss the Times Leaders Men's College Basketball Tournament section to get every score every day after the game. See what comments local columnist the Beermeister Jim McCabe is serving up. Bill O'Boyle shares his memories from college basketball tournaments past. Pick up a copy and find out why the Times Leader is the most read newspaper in Luzerne County. To subscribe, call 570-829-5000. That's 570-829-5000. Hello, it's Alan Thicke, and if you've received a letter from the IRS, it probably doesn't say happy birthday. No, probably says you owe back taxes. And because of cuts in their budget, the IRS is now turning to something they call enforced compliance. Uh-oh, look out. That means more wage garnishments, bank seizures, and property liens. Well, thankfully, there's good news. The Fresh Start Initiative, an official IRS program, could significantly lower your tax debt and save you thousands if you qualify. The professionals at Optima Tax Relief specialize in helping taxpayers get approved 
approved for the Fresh Start initiative. Hey, the IRS can be reasonable, but you have to know the ins and outs of their rules. And that's where the experts at Optima come in. Optima is the number one tax resolution firm in the nation, recognized for their award-winning services. Don't wait till it's too late. Call Optima Tax Relief now for a free consultation. Call 800-285-4955. 800-285-4955. 800 Some restrictions apply. For complete details, please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. This is WILK, powered by Sherwood Chevrolet in Tunkhannock, PA. Stop by Sherwood to view full lines of Buick, GMC, and Chevrolet. tell you one thing. This is by far the best audio lead-in episode in the history of the Beer Geeks Radio Hour on WILK Radio because that was fantastic. Yes, it was. Yeah. Because, I mean, who doesn't want to hear that song, whatever it was. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's Real get, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we're coming back with a little bit more uh, just ramblings about uh, beer labeling, marketing, the whole thing. And um, the one, uh, let's see, the one thing I wanted to touch on with beer. Now, it's getting to the point where, like, cans. Let's talk about cans for a hot second. Okay. Okay. Uh, pounder cans have become almost like a symbol of the new school beer world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You actually see, like, breweries, like, old school breweries, like, uh, you know, Delirium. Tremens in pounder cans and left Belgian beers coming that way and, and all kinds. I've seen, I started seeing soda come in pounder cans. I didn't, didn't know that existed. Jeez. And yeah, uh, so it's almost like weird. I've seen those a couple of times. And I think it's it's all because of this double IPA, uh, IPA movement from particularly in the Northeast. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a big one too with uh, IPAs now. When's the last time you grabbed an IPA and you're like, man, I can't wait to drink this thing and it can't, didn't come in a pounder can? High Ally? Uh, grapefruit Sculpin, but that was still in a can, uh, but it was a 12-ounce. And I, no, I get that. I get the, the, the what I'm saying is the- Like these newer IPAs. Highly coveted, like, yeah. you know what I mean? I'm going to wait in line kind of stuff. Oh, all right. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like literally nothing. I mean, again, canning's easier. They have mobile canning come in or they have canning in-house and they do that. But it's almost like a marketing ploy to put it. It actually is a marketing ploy that they didn't mean to do. They couldn't actually get 12-ounce cans. That's actually how breweries ended up putting stuff into pounder cans. They actually contacted can companies and they go, we're sold out of 12-ounce cans. We can put them in 16s. And they were like, okay, whatever. I guess we have to do that. Um, when we were talking, when me and George and um, Derek and everybody went down to Kane, as Michael Kane was telling us, so you have a hard time getting 12-ounce cans because of that reason. Because people just couldn't get 12-ounce cans, so they moved to the 16-ounce cans, and now you can't even get those cans available now. Um, that's like almost like in, in Canada, that's almost the standard can size. I don't think I saw a craft beer in a 12-ounce can. You know, you see around here, you'll see like Ballast Point, Cigar City, uh, 21st Amendment. Mm -hmm. You know, those guys are in 12-ounce cans, but everything up there, you know, Hopbot, anything from Nickelbrook, you know, um, the cans from from High Road that we got, they were all all, uh, pounder cans. The cans that we used at the school, all pounder cans, you know, 
But I think that is a product. Mm-hmm. That's all new. A lot of the Ontario beer scene is like very new as far as canning goes. It's yeah. It all, their whole to get off our beer marketing, their whole <laughs> scene is kind of a couple years behind us. Yes. So like a lot of the companies that you talked about, you mentioned whether it be Oscar Blues or Twenty First Amendment or um, the Ballast Point, those are they've been canning way longer than everybody else. Mm-hmm. So they were already in the twelve. They had like like you have hop they had con- contracts, hop contracts. For- you have can contracts. Yeah. So they had their. 12 ounce can allocations and then but it's almost like they were like forced to purchase these pounder cans and now mm-hmm. it's become like a like a like a calling card for good beer it's like okay oh look this person came out with a double IPA and it's in a pounder can that's, that's another marketing point that yeah. you're like okay well, I'm going to pick this up because chances mm-hmm. are this beer is going to be pretty good because it's in a pounder can and it's a double IPA it's just almost like playing like even though it's an accidental marketing ploy it's still a marketing ploy that works you know? Oh, it definitely is. So, and that's the thing. Like, a lot of, like, we'll get to this part, too, which is kind of like segueing from this to that would be um, new breweries manufacturing um, rarity and manufacturing eliteness. Um, like manufacturing see, hype? Yes. In a way? That's basically what I'm talking okay. about. Um, and, and breweries coming out with, coming out with. Uh, releases coming out with can releases when they, you know, they've never released anything before, and then you know, doing brown paper tickets or doing like on, you know, oh, land up this day and make yeah. sure you get your allocations and be like. Sometimes it's almost like out of the blue as yeah, well. It's just yeah, the paint hasn't dried on your on your yeah. sign outside front. How, how are you holding? <laughs> how are you holding a can release? Like, how does this even work? And I think that's part of the marketing structure of today's world too. Is that you have a release for a beer? It's kind of like. Well, you, is is chicken before the egg? Is, is the beer good so people are lining up, or are people lining up because they hope the beer is good? Do you know I what know, I mean? I, I feel like you can you could very easily manufacture this hype and you know put a, a Facebook post out or a Twitter post out like, "Hey, noon on you know Monday, March. What's tomorrow?" March 28th, we're going to have a a release only one four pack per person. Now, I don't know how many, how much they've actually made, but I now only know I can get a four pack of this beer. So I might as well, if I were, if I were so inclined, I may as well go and line up. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, well, okay. One four pack per person, like for a brewery to say that, like there's some breweries that can say that, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? That people line up and you know, it's going to go away, but there's a lot of breweries that like, they line up and like we, I mean, we went down the other day. We went to Rushing Duck. They do the releases and they and they give it a case limit, mm-hmm. but they still had a bunch of War Elephant left. Great beer. It's a yeah. beer I'd line well, up. Well, it for. wasn't. But and they've I never don't think done that any was kind like of a, trickery a can kind release of, for that. I there was, was a, just, there was a can release for it, but it wasn't like it wasn't like, hey, look at this. Make sure you line up nine days early and buy tickets. When but, I saw when I saw that, it was, hey, we have War Elephant in this cooler over here. If you want a case of it, there's. You can get this much, but a four pack is this much, and that's kind of what I—that's how I thought of it. You know? Yeah, I was—I was speaking more to when the date actually came out. Okay. They didn't—they okay. didn't trumpet it like they're trying to make it rare. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, there's a lot of companies that make, uh, you know, four pack pounder can stuff like that that know they're producing so much more than they can say sell in that day, and um, it, but they still kind of market it like, oh, only one. Only one four pack per person or two four packs per person. Be yeah. like, okay, you know you're not going to sell at that price at that rate. Why are you saying that? Yeah. Just to get well, people that, that was like into the, um, the beer, like the Pizza Boy review 
or the review, sorry, uh, release where the beer was still available like a week after after it was uh, it was released, and the guy was like getting uh, getting his back up because the beer was still there, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. Like but, it doesn't look like any cases left, <laughs> you know. And you're you're saying like there's only, I think it was actually a, like a, an absurd amount of beer per person. Like there was not even a bottle limit, you know. And the guy was like, "Why is this still here?" You know. <laughs> well, that's a whole other story. It is a whole other story. About. But anyway, we cracked into our last punny holiday beer of the day, and it is Evil Twin Brewing's Even More Jesus, um, which is very. Uh, that's very most on the nose beer. Most on the nose beer of the day. It could have gone worse with one of my choices, but we didn't. So. We should have. And uh, <laughs> yes, yes. There's there's other beers to choose from, but we decided to be um, funny rather than whatever. And yeah. uh, but the funny part about this beer is that actually it isn't a. It has nothing to do with actual religion. It actually do with do with typo. And, uh, really? Yeah, and what happened was when the owner of Evil Twin, yep, was like um, emailing back and forth. Um, about price pointing the beer that they're selling, um, he was going back and forth, and he actually has to go. He's sending back and forth, and one of the prices is really high. And he and he said he's like Jesus, this is expensive. You know what I mean? And then they were going back and forth another bottle quickly uh, just after, and he was like, he's like, that one was even more expensive. And he was, man, that's even more Jesus instead of even more expensive. Mm-hmm. His brain farted on it, yeah, and just said, yeah, that's even more Jesus. You know what I mean? So it actually has nothing to do with, you know, religion or anything that's like that. That's hilarious, though. But it's like, that's how the story went down. That <laughs> It's like, okay, it's like, and I do that stuff like that all the time. I've probably done it 17 times on the radio today, is that you just have a word in mind, but you just switch it with well, something else you said. there's times where you're, you're texting and you say the word in your head, but you don't actually type it. So the sentence then makes no sense because a word is missing, but you said it to yourself while you were, like, typing it out. Yeah. yeah. But that goes to show you about a funny part about marketing that is even accidental marketing. Like, that's an accident. Like, he's known for his kooky, like, names on his beers. So uh, if the story is even true, who knows? But um, It sounds like, like it's probably Yeah, true. yeah, because it just sounds like it makes sense. Yeah. but You wouldn't make up a story but like it, that. It's, it's <laughs> yeah. become one of his most popular beers, I think. One, because it's a really good beer. I enjoy it. It's it is. easy yeah, drinking. I mean, what's the ABV in this sucker? Like 12 or something? Yeah, it's 12%. It's a base stout. And it drinks like it's like six and change, you know, nice roasted malts, tons of chocolate, a little bit of coffee, exactly what you want out of an Imperial Stout. But uh, to have a name, even a, a name that was accidental and becomes your most popular name yeah. out of your whole line. That's what he's known for now. He's what is every week a new variant of Jesus come out. This is the um, Mas Chili Jesus and then Donut whatever Jesus and then this Jesus and that Jesus. Do you know what I mean? So it's like. It's become an accidental thing that has snowballed into just a marketing machine for yeah. for someone that's all about kooky names to begin with. <laughs> I mean, his name's Yep. It's he has to have kooky <laughs> names. Yeah, they do a lot of variants of uh, the the whole Jesus series. There's cognac, and I know there's a uh, Pappy Van Barrel aged. Yeah, gotta get that Pappy up in your life, George. Pappy more Jesus. Yeah, there you I'm go. I'm surprised you're not out looking for it right now. I should be. I should. He is. That's a hologram of George. George yeah, is actually. He's, he's really he's not here. They use the same software as Tupac. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Coca-Cola, it's Coca-Cola, George. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, from uh, the point I'm trying to make from the beginning of the show to the end mm-hmm. is that 
there's really good um, beer out there, but there's also really interesting and really marketable and really just weird labeling. Let, let me let me ask one one thing. Mm-hmm. Do you think the story behind the accidental name has increased the hype of it, or um, I don't think so because. Or do you think it's the beer itself? Um, I think the beer is really well done. I'm not, I've never been a huge evil evil twin get mm-hmm. person, but the beers they make are really really good. But they're nothing has ever blown me away. So there's like I'd like to be blown away rather than just be okay with stuff for a very long time. But I think the way he markets his beers, the way he's done it, the way he opened up his his, his um, bar in Brooklyn, Turston, and did everything he's doing in a, in a way that I think is really cool. So I think that in itself, plus the 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 fight between him and his brother, I yeah. think, has done more for his beer than anything else. You know what I mean? And his brother's beer. Mm-hmm. And his brother owns McKellar Brewing, and, you know, they have a, what I think is more of a marketed kind of, you know, sibling rivalry than yeah. anything else. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, the, the, the forced back and, feud. Yeah, you know. forced feud, the back and forth, kind of like, you know, some other breweries that, you know, like to go out on boats and sit down and stuff. And then they, uh, <laughs> And then, like, they, it's sometimes you actually want to have kind of a rivalry that yeah. kind of pops up to, to sell your beer. So that doesn't hurt either. Hence, more marketing. That's Ooh. the thing, though. There's 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 always a level of marketing. It just it's always there. It's never. Yeah. It's always. There's a couple of breweries I feel like that marketing is actually not even a big deal to them whatsoever. Like even I shouldn't even say that. Even Dry Leg. I was gonna say Dry Leg, but they just rebranded all their beer. So obviously, marketing matters to them because they were branded their whole line. So, general thumb when that comes to beer, I think marketing matters, but in the end, it just matters what's in the bottle. Do you know what I mean? I would agree with if that. It's, if, it's, if it's a good beer. I mean, I never went, man, this beer sucks, but that label's hot as, you know, H-E yeah. double hoppy hockey steak, so I'm going <laughs> to love this beer all day because that label's so sexy. Yeah. But rarely have I ever had a beer. I'm like, wow, this beer's awesome, but that label's garbage. You know what I mean? It's usually they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's almost so. a neuroticness to uh, to brewers. There's a neurotic to everything. There's a neurotic to me. There's a neurotic to George. You're not that neurotic, but no. anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, winding down in another good radio show. Sans Derek. So it's definitely a little bit herky-jerky, but we'll see what happens. Probably better um, for it. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. but let's, uh, you know, I want to touch quickly on a couple things. I want to actually, well, talk about breweries going to have coming up in the near future. Um, a couple of them, not just go next week's. Next week's actually a really cool show for anybody that wants to tune in. Um, the whole crew will be back, and we're going to be doing Shelton Brothers. Um, they'll be calling in. We don't know if, how many people are going to have. Definitely Joel from Shelton Brothers, but probably more of the crew calling in. They're one of the world's biggest distributors or United States biggest distributors as far as beer goes. So it's really cool to have them on and see how they, they get into things. Then we'll be going Logston, Blue Jacket, then Night Shift for the next nice. four yeah next four weeks. So Sounds really like great shows coming up. So hopefully guys tune in in the future. Hopefully you guys are enjoying some great beers on this uh, holiday weekend and hope to see you next time on The Beer Geeks on WILK. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.